Hello, I'm Hannah Jenna. And I'm Rachel Johnson, and welcome to Before and After, a body image podcast. We are here to discuss our ideas, perceptions, and beliefs about how we look and how we see others. We'll be looking at research and trends in the world of fitness and nutrition, as well as looking at our own biases related to body image and busting some persistent myths that abound in advertising and on social media. We hope to reach and captivate audiences of all ages and gender. So please help us out by subscribing and sharing. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate you leaving us a review. Happy listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our very first episode of Before and After a Body Image Podcast. I know that we introduced our names formally in our fancy little intro, but just so you know whose voice is who, this is Hannah, and I'm very excited to have a co-host, and she is... I'm Rachel. Um, You can differentiate our accents. Um, I'll be the one sounding vaguely Canadian. And I'll be the one sounding vaguely British. So there we go. Now you know who we are. Um... We, this is obviously episode number one, like I just said, and we thought that a good start would be to explain why we decided to do this, why we think it's important to have these conversations about body image, how it all came about, um, and kind of the reason behind our name before and after. So uh, really it all started from, well, the idea for the podcast started recently when we were both discussing before and after pictures from a program that we are both following or have followed, one that we love, no disrespect to the program, Um, but we were kind of getting, I would say, mildly irritated, or was it (laughs) stronger? More than than mildly irritated uh, once once we realized that a lot of these before and after photos involved people that didn't quite get the physique they were looking for or the 12-pack abs, they just kind of learned how to pull up their pants or wear the right (laughs) size tights. So so we thought that uh, we would start recording these conversations because we've had many rants and maybe, just maybe, there's something in here that would be useful, interesting, informative um, and mixed in with our rants that we intend to bring you. Just kidding. There'll be good conversations. Um, (laughs) We hope to bring you some research, some guests even, maybe, um, bust some myths and just uh, take this episode to really explain a little about a bit about ourselves and our own personal stories and when we began to have awareness with our own body image. Yeah, I think, you know, every time we start having these conversations, usually what comes up for both of us is moments in our life, sometimes a very long time ago, uh, where we remember learning something about our body or learning something about the way the world looks at our body or thinks our body should look. Um, I, I, I have that persistent memory of always being called big boned oh, as, yeah. as a child. My mom used to always say that. I'm just big boned. Yeah. Like, it's not like, mean? it's not like, I, I mean, back then I, I thought it was just a, a euphemism for overweight. Um, but then, you know, I started buying jewelry and I remember thinking, wow, my wrist actually was too big for a lot of like dainty bracelets. And I was like, maybe that's what, maybe big boned is really just, uh, <laughs> having, wrists that are too wide um but yeah that's the one that really stands out to me from my childhood big bone <laughs> so i'm gonna preface everything we say by saying that neither one of us are medical doctors or any kind of like body image psychologists or specialists or anything like that everything that we bring to you and say is literally our opinion or like research that we've pulled from somewhere um it's just interesting listening and fascinating conversation hopefully um 
I am a nutrition coach. Um, I have coached people through it. I've also been coached. Rachel has been coached, is being coached. Um, but I feel like pretty much everybody is qualified in varying degrees to discuss body image, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think, I, you know, I, I'm a, an admittedly just a nerd and an enthusiast, I guess, because I've done a lot of, yeah, thinking about my own body image and all the work I've put into my body, not just sort of the way it looks, but, you know, even mentally into my body. So um, I think our... Our expertise is definitely comes from just an enthusiasm on some level. I don't, I don't have nutrition qualifications, but I am learning a lot by being coached. And I feel like that's a really, that's, that's a game changer for a lot of people. Um, and I, I definitely plan to reference a lot of books. I'm a big reader, so I will uh, use, stand on the shoulders of people that are more qualified than I um, by sharing some of the things I learned from them. If anybody wants any advice on book referrals <laughs> Rachel is your girl she is a, definitely a bookworm um, so with all that being said um, we've we've mapped out a few episodes to come and we've got some exciting stuff on the agenda but really taking it back because like part of this journey and part of people when we named our podcast before and after after before and after photos and we will have an entire episode dedicated to that and as Rachel said how to completely fake your before and after photos to even with zero progress to somehow make it look like progress um but part of the body image and talking about body image is being vulnerable and being open to share stories about your own personal experience and that's what we hope that if we bring guests onto the show that we can give you uh that sort of vulnerability from a source other than just ourselves. Um, so we are here today to talk about our own stories so that for all of you who are listening, you can kind of hopefully find some connection with either both of our stories or one of our stories, or just understand a little bit more about who you're listening to and why body image has played a big role featured in a rather large way in our lives and what like our journeys and how we feel about it all now where we're at um so question because I was thinking about this the other day I mean you mentioned about big bone but <laughs> yeah what was that like what what sort of age do you think you were when you first became aware of body image and of how other people might be looking at you perceiving you or like an age where you felt like, oh God, I should look a certain way. Yeah, I, I think the, I mean, the big bone thing, I, I really can't remember when I heard that for the first time, but I definitely remember uh, it, was, it was around, I mean, I was always a pretty active kid. I played hockey growing up and soccer and t-ball and um, was always doing all kinds of sports. And it was probably in middle school when I started becoming a volleyball player um, that I was just more conscious all of a sudden like that's the first time I remember being in a locker room with with other girls right and we're all changing before practice or after practice and you kind of in that setting you start comparing yourself to other people's bodies um, and then early in high school I think a lot of women can relate to this um, there's that time where either you start getting boobs or you don't <laughs> and I was definitely at the, <laughs> wait what are those things everyone else is getting <laughs> should I have that 
<laughs> right. I I was the opposite. I I got them I got them pretty early and and they were pretty noticeable and I was embarrassed by that. Like I cuz I mean I you know I think it was also around that the girls who are bigger often get, you know, boobs earlier too. Um and so I think I, I remember that especially being like I was almost embarrassed by having, you know, a bigger chest and wanting to wear sports bras that kind of hid them and minimized them. Um and then, yeah, and then that was all in the sport of volleyball, too. So volleyball was also the start of body image related to what I was doing and what the people around me were doing. So I wasn't the best volleyball player, but I would look at the ones on the other girls on the team who were great and start wondering, like, what is it about them? Why can they jump higher? Why can they hit the ball harder? Um, you know, and, and I was sort of relegated to the, a defensive specialist on the back row, which meant... My, my big old legs, just I could hold a squat for long enough to kind of be down <laughs> to dig out the spikes from the other team, right? So even that, my body, I was, I was bigger, I was shorter, and that put me in like a specific role on the team too. So I think, yeah, I mean, volleyball was probably the, that, that turning point for me of starting to be way more aware of all of these issues. So that's really fascinating that your awareness came from like actual in-person experience. And I think when we were talking about this first episode the other day and I was thinking about this question and I realized that my first experience of really being aware of body image or like what one should look like and I'm about to expose my age here because this was back in the <laughs> 80s yes I'm 40 years old and it's taken me this long to figure certain things out but it's fine better late than never um it was in the I guess the late 80s and me and my younger sister and uh, a friend of ours, we were all playing together at a friend's house and we found an exercise video. Yes, videotape. <laughs> VHS. <laughs> and, uh, VHS. <laughs> and on the front was this picture of a woman in a leotard, of course, with like impossibly highly cut leg holes. <laughs> Oh, yes, the 80s-style <laughs> leotards that, yeah. like, up to like, your bra and, strap on the side. <laughs> and what, I mean, I didn't really notice it at first till we started watching the video, but it was some kind of aerobics thing. But the, the whole purpose, that seemed like this woman who was teaching it, her mission in life was to give every woman, like, the holy grail of looking amazing, which at the time was a thigh gap. And, oh, of course, on the front... Thigh gap! <laughs> Between the legs of this possibly high leotard, you could see a lot of daylight. And I mean, like, well, I must have been nine years old. I mean, you don't even have a grown-up body then. Right. You don't You don't look anything like you're going to look when you're older at nine. Think, a lot of things still have to, like, come into play. But I remember, like, standing there and looking down, and there just wasn't this area of daylight between my thighs. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a thigh gap in my no, life. No, I mean, like, I'm just not <laughs> built that way. My sister very naturally has a thigh gap. So I look down and there's no daylight and here's this woman prancing around on screen doing her aerobics moves and everyone in this fake aerobics class that's on the video is like clearly their mission in life is to accomplish this thigh gap and I was like, I'm wrong. Like I'm I'm, yeah. I'm doing something wrong. Like you, this you I don't look like I don't and you're look not, like this yeah. and this is what my our parents or our moms are watching. Oh, right, because, yeah, whose tape was it? It was her. It was, her, it was my friend's her, mom. Her mom's tape. And, yeah. the, and our moms were best friends. So I was like, well, I don't know if my mom's doing it too. Um, but I was like, oh, wow, that's what, that's, that's the ultimate achievement, right? You have to achieve a thigh gap. 
And or, or at least achieve looking like the people on videos, right? Because yeah. I, I never watched aerobic videos like that, but I definitely, you're, that, that's bringing to mind memories of me watching music videos or other things on TV where you're just like, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the body image you look at. And you're like, oh, apparently I need to look like that to be on TV or to be famous. So, And I mean, like, it wasn't anything monumental. Obviously, we did the workout video. I did it. I mean, I guess it was, if you had been looking from the outside, there was signs of what was to come because I not only like watched it thought that the thigh gap was the way to go but I started to do it like I actually asked to borrow the video and then oh, wow. like, did it over and over and over and literally like I would do the 20 minutes 15 whatever it was and then stare down to see if the thigh gap had appeared <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's a big deal. You, you, I took that thing to heart. You took that video tape and made that your thing. I gotta achieve this. Um, but obviously I was nine, so then you know those other distractions of life, and I went off and played and did what other what nine year olds do. Whatever. Did you that play was. any sports at that point? Any? Mm, no, was, no team sports no. or anything. No, my my school wasn't really like. If you arrived at the school already super sporty and able to be like a champion, and then. You could play sports. Otherwise, <laughs> the you standards like... are so much higher in Britain. I think my t-ball. I mean, that's why the Americans, I'm sure, invented t-ball, where the you don't even have to throw the ball at a person. It's I mean, I play, I play rounders, <laughs> which is our version of softball. Softball, it's similar but I mean, softball, like my school yeah. was all about brain power. Like they didn't really care for okay. other things that were actually fun. Like you just had to get eight grades. Um, but we digress. Um, so I guess like the thigh gap video was when I first became aware of body image, and then. Yeah, sports things. I I guess there was a moment, roll on a couple of years, two, three years, in like a changing room before sport. We call them changing rooms, not locker rooms. Right. Yes, sorry. <laughs> um, where, you know, there were some boobs. And I was like, what are they? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> they never came. <laughs> um, and, you know, some girls seem to be totally, you know, being a girl at age like 13, 12, 13 is, is definitely a funky time for body image because I guess it's like boys too, like, right? Some boys at, at 13, yeah. 14 are six foot tall and growing a beard and some are still talking like super high. Yeah, and it's probably angelic. worse for guys sometimes. They're so different around that age than some of their peers, but... So I did, I do remember kind of looking around, some girls were just totally like growing into their womanly physiques yeah. and others were like super embarrassed and kind of hunched over trying to like hide boobs oh, or whatever. And... I Learning how to take on and off a sports bra underneath your t-shirt, like without taking your shirt off so you could stay covered the whole time, that, that was an art form that I learned. So I never had to show my bo- like my body in that locker room. And I remember actually being jealous of the girls who would just kind of strut around in their underwear. Right. Like, oh, they're so confident. I and... mean, I feel like there should be a whole class on like when you get to like 10 years old or something just to make it part of education. Like, hey, guys and girls, weird shit's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to happen at really different times. And like, it's someone... all fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's all okay. Sometimes you gotta be patient. And, and I feel like that's really, like, we should address, I mean, I say we, I don't have kids. I have no experience in right. educating. Neither do I. Neither of us have kids. So young that's, people. That's, but I feel We'll get like, a guest to talk about that. Yeah. Moms, reach out. Let us know how yeah. you deal with this. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if, if teachers or parents or whoever could, like, start the education before you get to that point where start 
things just start getting weird and changing and yeah. you don't have so much control. Like I remember like my next real big body image, like kind of run into a wall, smack it in your face and go, Oh God was, um, I was, I think I was 12 or 13, like just at the point where I was starting to change out of being little girl to like, okay, now we're in weird transition phase where, you know, sometimes you pack on a little bit of weight and then you grow a bit more and like you start to just develop more of early stages of what you're going to end up looking like. Yeah. And I was running around the house, me, my sister and my cousin, and my sister and my cousin are both younger than me. My sister, 18 months younger than me. And my cousin is about 18 months younger than my sister. So they were still very much like little girls and we were all running around in our underwear or bikinis or swimsuits or something because it was summertime. And I overheard my aunt saying to my mom, ooh, it looks like Hannah's filled out a little bit. Ooh, fill, I filled out. Filled out. Because, yeah, that can mean a couple different things. <laughs> right? And I remember kind of, I just, I just caught it. And I don't think she was saying it in any kind of like, oh, your kid got fat sort of a way. I think yeah. it was just like an observation like, oh. She's no longer looking like the little kids that are running around next to her. She's starting to like turn into a woman. Right. Like, <laughs> a woman. <laughs> and I heard it and it stopped me in my tracks and I was like, huh. And again, I just found myself looking down with that same kind of fear and dread, I guess, like the thigh gap thing where I right. looked down and realized it wasn't there. Like, oh God, how, how do I stop this? I don't want to change. I don't want to fill out. And at that point, it was also, you know, it was it was someone you knew and yeah. your mom talking about your body, right? It wasn't yeah. just now like a video with a stranger doing aerobics. It was like, oh, there are people in my orbit that are looking at my body and, and expecting that's, things, Yeah, that's, right? that's a really good point. Like, the aerobics video was just me looking at my body going, huh, I don't look like that. But yeah, that's like next level when you suddenly, your awareness goes beyond, oh, look at me looking at my body. It's like other people are looking yeah. at me. And it's a subject. It's yeah. a topic they, of they want to talk about it. They expect your body to look a certain way or, or And not. then there's yeah. like a slight like this even though it wasn't it wasn't mean, but I almost felt like I felt like a kind of ashamed that somebody I looked a certain way that was significant enough for somebody to feel like they needed to pass comment. <laughs> I'm sure that's something we'll talk about a lot in the course of this podcast is people feeling like they have the right to comment on someone else's body. Because <laughs> even that, right? I mean, that's unfortunate that that's normal. Yeah. Right? Because she probably had no right to comment on your body. <laughs> or like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, even if it wasn't, and it wasn't, I don't think it was ever meant in a mean way, but still it was like enough to kind of slap you in the face. I mean, did you ever, did, do you recall a time when you became aware of other people talking about how you look? You know, I mean, most of my examples like that, because I, I, I don't have any things like that where I like overheard someone say something in that kind of context, but I definitely through, from high school on into my 20s, I have lots of moments where like doctors made comments that made me think about my body in a different way. So like what? Well, you know, you you go to the doctor and they, they put you on a scale and they test your height, right? Mm -hmm. So they're always taking down your height and your weight. And basically as soon as I started going to the doctor on my own, like, you know, as an adult in college and then afterwards, um, they, I would always, almost always the doctor I was seeing at the time would mention 
that I was too heavy based on my height, right? So height and weight, that's basically body mass index. The BMI, which is a terrible standard. Oh. I'm sure we'll talk about that at other we times as we well. We have a whole episode but dedicated to just that. Body mass index. I mean, it's literally just a calculation of your height related to your weight. And I, I don't even know if they take into account your age. They certainly don't take into account what your body's actually made up of in terms of muscle. Um, so I would have right through the... 90s and early aughts every time I'd go to a doctor they had a little chart um, that said for someone who was five foot five like I was borderline obese and we're talking at a weight of like I was I think I was 135 pounds ish when I graduated from high school um, and that didn't really change much over the course of my 20s um, and yeah so it was always like well you really better watch it and that's the thing they never they never told me anything specific they were just like we need to keep an eye on your weight Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, and these are doctors. So you're like, oh, I guess I should listen. But like you looking down at your thigh gap, what does it mean to keep an eye on your weight? <laughs> right? I mean, like, oh. I'm borderline overweight. <laughs> keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on what? it. Like, Because, so... of course, I mean, back then, I mean, still doctors don't always talk about it. But back, they didn't give me any practical advice about how to keep an eye on it. It wasn't like they said, you should do this, this, and this, and you should eat this, this, and this. It was. Yeah. That's that. I mean, I guess. I mean, were you just going to like teenage years, like the awkward times, would you say you were confident in your own skin throughout your teenage years? Or were you kind of like, just give me a sheet, cover me up? Pretty much closer to the latter. <laughs> I I had a uniform uh, in high school uh, that was pretty much just slightly baggy jeans like straight legged jeans with no curves or waist or definition they were probably too big for me and like so you got to wear your own clothes yeah, yeah yeah it was not an actual uniform at school you could wear whatever you want but i chose to wear jeans and white t-shirts like boxy hanes three-pack kind of t-shirts <laughs> um and that was pretty much it like i right like i did not and of course early 90s clothes were all kind of baggy like mm-hmm. bold color kind of go to the mall and get bright teal shirts that match your bright teal scrunch socks. Um, and, and everything was sort of bigger and boxier back there. And I love that because I did not, I like, I wanted to, yeah, hide, hide my boobs. And basically I always felt a little bigger. So I wore baggy clothes most of the time. Wow. I mean, we had a school uniform, so we didn't get to oh, choose what to wear. I was always jealous of students. And like, that. we used to be, we, well, we used to look at other schools that could wear their own clothes and be like, ah, oh, it's so unfair. But right. actually it's, it kind of was a blessing in disguise because of every now and again, we would have a wear your own clothes day. And oh. it was like super traumatic. For yeah. Some I bet it was like, stressful. Trying to figure out what to wear <laughs> and like how to look nice and like. And have an identity. Yeah. For the first time based on, yeah, your clothing choices, but. And when you're not really sure, like, how to dress your body, like, what what do I look good in? Like, should I cover this up in something big and floaty, or should I be wearing tight things? It's a very confusing time. If you could say, what, or give your teenage self, as we're talking about our teenage selves and awkwardness and covering up, if you <laughs> could give your teenage self, like, one piece of advice about body image before you go any further down the path, what would you tell? What, how old would you be when you gave her that advice? And what would you tell that Rachel? Wow, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I'd probably yeah go back to like, I guess, freshman, sophomore year of high school, Rachel. So that's like 14, 15. Um, 
And I think it's the same advice I have to give myself every day, even now, which is just be patient. Like, right, because everything you thought about your body back then, like every time I, I thought I was too much of this or too little this, within a couple weeks at that age, it changes. Yeah. Either your body changes uh, or your understanding changes. Um, and I think everything was like in the moment was just so intense and you felt so intensely about it that I feel like I wish I just could have looked a little ahead into the future and been like, all of this is going to change a hundred times over. Um, and that probably would have made me hopefully uh, focus a little a little less on the moment of how I felt. I mean, that is like a good thing to kind of that you acknowledge that what you would say to yourself back then is you're still saying it to yourself. Oh, still. Now. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> you know, there's, that is a vulnerable age, but you go through, if we let it, like you can go through your whole life being consumed by these same insecurities and thoughts about body images and looking at other images that we see yeah. and comparing yourself. And if you don't take steps, and I feel like part of this podcast is like, for me anyway, is like trying to take steps to like, put some of the crap from the past to bed and just absolutely because like I was thinking or as I was asking you that question like what would I have said to myself and like I'll talk a bit more about what happened to me at about age 16 but like prior to it all going kind of horribly wrong I think I would tell myself what like focus on what you can do because what you look yeah. like does not determine what you can do i mean i guess in some extremes like if you're if you want to be a supermodel and you're four foot eleven <laughs> yeah probably not but in general like with the face you came out with the body shape you came out with that shouldn't stop you from being able to do what you want to do yeah and you should never feel ashamed of any of that because you know you could have the most aesthetically pleasing according to like I'm sure like photographers have a certain like your eyeballs must be so far apart and your nose must be certain length and stuff to be like the perfect model for a picture but if you're an asshole you're not a beautiful person right yeah. and it's certainly if you were born with like a, a theoretically perfect face for a photo and the perfect limb length and a thigh gap, right. to and boot, a thigh gap <laughs> for your long femurs that doesn't mean you are going to be able to change the world in any yeah. way you just kind of checked a few boxes with genetics. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, a, I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to focus on now. Right? And, and I was, it's funny, you know, because that made me think, I was able to tell myself that kind of, that kind of information in other contexts. So I was also in high school, middle school, elementary school even like I was always a nerd you just at a whole lot of schools that I'm trying to a figure so, out what yeah, 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 is. right yes <laughs> we can we can delve into the differences between the North American and and British uh, education system but um from very early on I was also a nerd like I was a straight A student high achiever teacher's pet you name it that was also did not make me very popular um, but I also had a little bit of like a little bit of the class clown, like joking. I was funny. Um, so, you know, I might've been one of those girls at some point that people were like, well, you know, she's got a great personality and oh we know God. sometimes that doesn't mean that she's pretty. Um, but I was able to tell myself even back then I had this feeling in high school that being smart would be good one day. 
right? Like being Mm -hmm. smart would be something that other people would look at and really value the same way my teachers did at that point, even if my peers did not. Um, So being a nerd and being funny, I was like, that's going to be better in the long run. But I didn't have the, I don't know, the wisdom or the experience to do the same thing with body stuff. Yeah. I didn't know that that also would be okay. (laughs) So like I went to an old girl's school, kind of a it was a pretty harsh environment. Like, I bet. Ooh. Females are... The, <laughs> we can be, be really brutal. Yeah. It was <laughs> very... each other. Very brutal. And as we got, like, more into our teenage years, there was also, like, a, across the river from the girls' school was a boys' boarding school. And it kind of became, like, competitive about who could attract attention from the boys. It starts oh, to become, like... Because in our school, once you got to what we call sixth form, which is the last two years in... I guess what you'd call high school. So we're like 16 to 18 years old. Yeah. In our school, like you wore a school uniform all the way up to 16. At 16, you could then start wearing your own clothes to school, uh-huh. but with strict set of rules, like no jeans allowed. You were still in the same school in with the, the same younger school. people who were wearing uniforms still. Yeah. Oh, But wow. we were then able to wear our own clothes. So hmm. on top of like, by now you're like 16. So, you know, boys... A lot of old girls, yeah. whatever, are like other. You're starting to get interest in like a romantic relationship yeah. potentially, or at least you want to feel attractive to whichever gender you may yeah. be attracted to. And a lot of that gets wrapped up in like the clothes you wear, your makeup, how good you look in clothes. Um, in summertime, God forbid, when there's less clothes that oh, you yeah. know. Things look good. In high school in Texas, if you are one of the ones wearing a cheerleading uniform. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We never did that. But yeah, I can imagine like that's, you know, you suddenly become hyper away. You go from being kind of awkward and uncomfortable and like, oh, gosh, people are noticing change. So like, obviously, I said, you know, I had noticed that I became aware of myself and then I became aware that other people were commenting Mm -hmm. on me. And then like... My sister was always kind of, if you were to think, if you were to imagine a very traditional sense of like pretty, certainly back then, you know, just, she was, she's a little bit taller than me. She's prettier than me. She's got nicer hair than me. She's certainly more (laughs) photogenic. She has that thigh gap thing, which was a thing. It's not a thing anymore. Forget the thigh gap. <laughs> yeah, forget it means the thigh gap. literally We're, nothing. We'll reference thigh gap a lot more because <laughs> none of the amazing bodies that I look up to have a thigh gap at this point. So, like, when I hit that, okay, you wear your own clothes to school, and now everybody, like, is wanting to attract the attention of others, people, boys, even some of my girlfriends, I wasn't, I just didn't fit in. Right? I didn't mm. have a natural sense of style. I was kind of confused. Was <laughs> Talking like, to jeans and t-shirt girl. I, was like I definitely little, did not have any style. I was her. like what well, my mom called grungy. Apologies, my dog is joining in on the conversation. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, my mom called me grungy because like I wasn't like, oh. yeah, I wore like, Doc, I bought Doc Martin boots. Oh, and yeah, I totally. I was like the, the grunge, devil grunge child. of the for, 90s. Yeah, I was, I was just not on her good list. After doing that. Whereas my sister was much more... You basically looked American. Probably. I feel like what that is. I, she fit in. Like, I was in the air training corps wanting to be a fighter pilot and wearing combat gear. and But at the same time, I desperately wanted to fit in with my friends at school. Yeah. 
And what I realized is that a lot of those friendships were not really friendships. It was just superficial and people were using each other to see if like, oh, you know this boy? Okay, I'm going to be your friend. Right. So I can get yeah. to know that boy. And it became like competitive dating. Well, not even dating, like competitive kissing. Like we'd all go to the pub on a Friday night. Right. Yes, you can drink a lot younger in <laughs> oh, England. Yeah. Don't judge. I, I don't have any pub stories from uh, <laughs> so high school. So we would school, go but... to the pub on Friday night when we were like 16 and... And get all drunk and it was literally like between the girls like competitive who who can you know who can be the most attractive who can stand out the most did you call it and snogging snogging oh yeah <laughs> like at the end of the night like if you didn't get a snog oh that's a failed night out. It. it's kissing by the way everyone it's snogging <laughs> so like backstory but like some things were going on in my personal my, in my family my mom had gotten sick like there was a terrible recession it was horrible times at home and I remember one night out at the pub and like I kissed the like the popular guy at the end of the night, the one that everybody wanted to go after. And then he basically, because I wasn't the cool kid, the next mm. day vehemently denied it. Told like, everyone that, I, that right. I was a liar, that this, somehow this it had got out, that this kiss had happened. And I was a liar. And like... Everyone was just, I went from being kind of on the skirt edges of the popular crowd to being like completely like oh, an outcast a no one, now. an outcast. Yeah. So now like I was destroyed because now I really didn't fit in. I wasn't a part of like the cool crowd. I felt more awkward than ever. And like that on top of like what felt like a complete loss of control with everything going on at home because I was obviously trying to show up and pretend that life was peachy and rosy and shiny and I was a popular kid when it was a hot mess express at home. And over the course of one summer, like I remember at the beginning of the summer holidays, I was like, maybe if I looked different, I would be more popular. Maybe like, because at the time I had equated, it was like, it was like the kind of heroin chic era. Where, like, on the runway, models oh, Kate were, like... Moss. Yeah, the Kate Moss era. Yeah, yeah like, the absolutely. models, like, in, at the time I read... I mean, you don't really read Vogue. I looked at the pictures. Right, when you look at the pictures <laughs> in Vogue. I would looked at the pictures in fashion magazines thinking that maybe that would get me oh. to being in the popular crowd. And I'd figure out what I was meant to look like and where and what was a good fit. And you just see an abundance of images of emaciated people. Yeah, because that was everyone was so skinny back then in magazines. It was and crazy. I mean, if I looked at them now, I, I would hate to look at that. I don't right. want to see well, we, that. We look at that now, and I feel and sorry. We, know, for we that. know enough now to know that that's unhealthy, usually. But but yeah, that we was did like not know uh, that back then. I had said it in my mind, like, okay, I have been outcast by everybody. If I can somehow look like one of these people, I'm going to be idolized, just like these people in these magazines, and. Mm. Because of, like, obviously, trigger alert, about to talk about eating disorders, but they very rarely come from, like, oh, I think I'm just going to lose a couple of pounds. Like, there's got to be more yeah. than that. And, like, unfortunately, it, the home stuff was sufficient that this was, like, the switch where I was like, okay, if I just, like, lose a few pounds of weight, I can look like this and I'm going to come back to school in September or whenever we went back to school. And people will be like flocking and I'll be part of like the crowd. (laughs) And so I started by cutting out like biscuits or cookies and crisps or chips translation. Um, And realized that actually that was kind of easy. And then the more hungry I could be, it was like, 
competitive competing with myself like the more hungry I could be the more successful the day was oh gosh yeah and then like very quickly I became a master I could literally like my parents would make dinner we'd sit it down like put they put the food out on the table and by the time they'd sat down half of it I'd already gotten off my plate and hidden away ready to flush down the toilet like wow I was that masterful that quickly and then like after about three months of just eating less and less and less and then you know your weight loss starts to slow down because there's not a whole lot of right. weight left. You're, you can't do much. Then I started the point, to like but... horribly abuse laxatives to make it happen even faster. And I remember the day where I got a thigh gap. Oh, wow. Because literally there was you nothing down left and you saw apart the thigh from skin gap. and bones. And I went back to school like September time, end of September, whatever it was. And rather than get the kind of like, oh my God, you look amazing reaction. One of my friends actually was like, your leggings are baggy. Are you okay? Tight leggings. Yeah, yeah like leggings were like hanging off of me. And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I be okay? By this stage, I was living off of six cans of Diet Coke a day, a piece of cucumber, and sometimes like a half a piece of bread. Wow. That, wow. And, and, and would, when you looked in the mirror at that point, like when your friend said that to you, like, are you okay? And you're like, yeah, I'm okay. Did you look in the mirror and think you looked okay, too? Yeah. Because that's I mean, what you wanted, right? Like, the thinner I could be, I equated it with being more popular, more successful, more desirable. Yeah. And it, it, I was just thinking of relationships on such a superficial level. Like, because I guess, like, I had my whole being wrapped up in what I looked like. It didn't matter who I was or... And I was also just feeling super lost. I didn't really know who I was. So, like, it all came down to what I looked like. And I remember one day, I have a butt, you guys. Have you ever seen pictures of me? (laughs) There is bubble butt happening. They'll learn about which parts of our body we focus on (laughs) still. And I remember turning sideways in the mirror and being like, oh, it's gone. Like, literally gone. Like, legs attached to back, gone. And the smallest pair of pants that you could buy for an adult didn't fit like it wouldn't stay up and then fast forward to like six months down the line because i went down quick i'm sure i remember like trying to get ready bread and cucumbers no calories no way to to live to live on and i I remember i was cold all the time no big deal i'm always cold but like she eats a lot and she's still always cold all the time so (laughs) uh maybe i ruined my thermostat i don't know (laughs) but i remember like one day i looked down and my feet were purple because it was just cold. My hands were purple. Wow. Um, my skin was just like so flaky and peeling off. And like I had weird fuzzy hair all over my arms because that's what happens, which was now like, oh gosh, she start growing like this oh, weird interesting. I fuzz. Like it's really fine. So it's not like gorilla arms, but like mm. noticeable compared to like what my arms would look like now. And then my hair, like half of my hair was gone. Oh, yeah. And then I remember trying to do makeup one day, and no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't look good. And I was like, wow. I hate myself. This is not what I imagined. And of course, I had become not more attractive to people, but now not only an outcast because I was slightly on the edge anyway, but now I just look terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And... So now I was super confused because I was like, well, shit, I did what these people in magazines have done 
and it seems to work for them, but it doesn't, doesn't work for didn't me work for you, yeah. Either. And horrible time. But I remember waking up one day and I saw this book on our coffee table about sailing and thought, wow, that seems like a cool thing to do. Maybe one day I could do something like that and a few things conspired, it happened. Great. But I never got help with an eating disorder. I basically decided so like you kind of pulled yourself out. I of almost that, died or... one night. I collapsed unconscious. I'd been out with friends. I came home, collapsed unconscious. And I woke up just like super confused, of course, but also kind of like is this really what I want? Is this all there is to me? Because if there's nothing more, then you might as well just put me down. Because I don't want to live like this forever. Because it is truly miserable. Because yeah. not only are you starving yourself, but you're also obsessed with food. And I think a lot of right. people don't sure realize that. Right, it's the only thing you focus on. When you have an eating disorder, you're obsessed with food. And it's still to this day. Like, I think about food all day, every day. Yeah. Um, but uh, I decided that I hadn't died. I didn't want to die. I was going to do something. I had no clue what, but I was like, take one step at a time and let's figure this out. And so I ended up going, it took a year off between school and university. I went traveling. Six months of that traveling was out here in America. Mm. And of course, being on a budget, I ate junk food for six months. Right. And totally, as many people do who don't get help with recovery, flip the switch. So... I think at the time I worked in like stones, which is British weight measurement, but I think I probably went from at my lowest weight, I was like 77 ish pounds. And within, that's tiny within like 18 months, I think I'd hit like 150 pounds. So you almost doubled your body weight. And so I remember eating junk food. (laughs) That's yeah. That's wow. Yeah. And like, it was a weird time because I kind of, I cared what I looked like, but just the whole, like, shoving food in my face was this experience that it was kind of like, I couldn't stop myself. Like, it was like binge eating. So I shoved food in my face. I got off the plane after six months in America. And I remember my mom was just like, oh, who are you? And it probably wasn't an appropriate comment. But the first thing she said was like, so... There's like this new gym that's opened up in town. You oh, should check wow. it out. Wow. I mean, bless their hearts. Our moms always love us and want the best for us. But yes, sometimes sometimes they say things that... <laughs> but all, all that <laughs> being said is like... I spent... I then like... I mentioned the same thing. I threw myself into a career in professional sailing. Yeah. And for like... About 10 years, there was more important things to worry about than than what I looked like. Because when you're out in the middle of an ocean, no one gives a crap about what you look like because you look terrible. Um, it's just <laughs> Or like, you're at least covered up in like storm gear all the time. It's <laughs> like what you can do that became important. And then like really on the back end of sailing, I started to get into CrossFit, which is now like a coach CrossFit. I love doing it. It's opened my eyes to so many things, but... All of a sudden, like, I realized that the body image that I truly love and appreciate now is seeing a female who looks strong. Yeah. And just owns it. And I'm not saying, like, bodybuilding, like, you've, you've had some help with some male hormones. and Right. <laughs> 
You got some weird not things getting going strong on. through I mean, steroids like, or you just like that. put in the work. Yeah. You're strong, and I don't give a crap if I look at somebody who has a bit of cellulite or you know has got like loose skin on their stomach from having babies or whatever. Like if I see, I mean, anyone, male or female, who is just like working hard, strong, athletic, healthy. That's what I want to look like. And I so, like, I, I wish, and I know this this was, I mean, a, a strong athletic female physique for sure. Back in the mid-90s when I was about to descend down a hole of, like, let's go right. into starvation mode, that wasn't a thing, right? No, I mean, it was, I mean, that, I was th- those were the videos of, like, yeah, it was, like, aerobics, right? I mean, I don't even know if I had any sense of what it meant to be strong as a woman. You, you were just, you know, maybe you were considered fit you you did aerobics it was mostly probably like cardiovascular like cardio is what women did because i remember when i started crossfit like in 2013 or 14 or something and i remember that one of the first things like my mom said to me i was like oh you can take these things too far i was like (laughs) wait so being starved to death is better than having some arm muscles right yeah but like i'm it kind of got to the crossfit athletic thing because we met through CrossFit and doing this sport or functional fitness as a more general kind of title is, has been a key feature of our lives, our friendship, um, a lot of the stuff that we talk about. So like I'm intrigued because I've just had verbal diarrhea for 20 minutes. Hey, well, I mean, your, (laughs) yeah, I mean, your, your story, I mean that your story is also, um, I mean, it should take longer because I really feel like my, uh, in my high school years, uh, I did not have to suffer through an all girls school. Um, and I can only imagine what that would have been like for body image and popularity and that kind of pressure on a teen. Um, I was lucky enough to have two really close girlfriends in high school, um, Seema Chaco and Elizabeth Jordan. They were both on the volleyball team with me and we were all smart nerdy volleyball players (laughs) and uh and you know so I got through those awkward years by just kind of having this good group of core friends and we were all kind of somewhat cool because we were athletes but like definitely not in the popular crowd um and that kind of just that carried me through in some ways most of my 20s and into my 30s where I was just like I kind of got comfortable in my skin. Um, I was always bigger than what I saw in magazines and bigger than, you know, the people I saw around me and maybe looked up to. But I also was in graduate school and didn't take very good care of myself. And I knew I was probably not going to look that way unless I paid more attention and things like that. Um, And yeah, and it was 2013 is when I started CrossFit as well. And that was, I found my way to CrossFit And back to your point about like getting to this moment where you care more about what your body can do than what it looks like. Because I I found CrossFit because I was, my nerdiness actually got me to CrossFit. I I won an essay contest with... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, yes. So this is, this is totally you. Show it a lot. Um, backpacker magazine. I use, I always love, I, I would backpack, you know, go camping and stuff with my brother. We were always very outdoorsy people, um, in my family. Um, 
And so Backpacker Magazine, it's my favorite magazine to have a subscription to, um, to just dream about all that travel. Not that I did all of it, but... Uh, so they had, a, they had an essay contest and, and the prize, basically, I forget it was, you kind of told your, the, wrote about your journey of backpacking and like the your relationship with the outdoors. And the people who were selected got to climb Mount Whitney here Ooh. in California, climb Mount Whitney with um, the editor-in-chief of Backpacker Magazine at the time and some like professional North Face climbers and be with like professional guides like Sierra Mountaineering International um, paired up and everything. So I was like, oh, cool. I won this essay contest. It was just me and two other women that were supposed to go on this climb. And I was like, oh, shit, can can I climb a mountain like 14,000 you know, foot peak here in California? I had never really done anything that challenging before. And so I was like, I have to make sure I don't embarrass myself by failing at this, like, since I won this essay contest, right? <laughs> Writing an essay does not mean you can climb a mountain, even if I thought I was active. And um, so, yeah, so I found CrossFit precisely because I needed to make sure, regardless of what my body looked like, that it could do a very specific thing, which was climb up a mountain in the winter with, like, crampons on and uh, survive, you know, climbing Mount Whitney in the snow. <laughs> um, and... And I think, I, I mean, I have such a distinct memory. I feel like CrossFit, everyone who starts CrossFit has this memory of like walking into the gym on your first day or your second day or whatever it was and just seeing some like fabulous specimen of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was uh, uh, our, our, our mutual friend, Anne-Marie, doing wall balls. And Anne-Marie is, uh, God, six foot? 5'11". 5'11". Okay, 5'11". Gorgeous blonde hair, like tan, like basically like a, a California dream athlete. Like she was a competitive swimmer at the Olympic level and she was just doing wall balls. And for those of you who don't know what wall balls, you're just holding this big medicine ball, squatting down and throwing it up to the ground. But it was just this like perfect precision movement. Like, and she yeah. looked so strong and there was like sunlight coming through the open door. <laughs> and I was like, who is this? Like, <laughs> and so in that, like, you know, fast forward a number of months and then years into CrossFit where I was like, this is my jam. Like I was like, oh, I am meant to be strong. I am meant to have muscle. I can also do wall balls. Not quite that well still, but I love them. Um, Weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah hates wall balls. Um, But yeah, CrossFit was transformational in the sense that all of a sudden I had a whole group of people around me pointing me toward what my body could do rather than what it looked like. So it was like, here are metrics. Here are workouts you're going to try to do. Here are weights you're going to try to reach. Um, A lot of it was based on my size and my own body weight, so I could compare it against that. Um, But ironically, having been fairly comfortable in my body image up until that point, CrossFit also gave me this whole world of elite level athletes that I also kind of wanted to look like. Um, right so I was like I, I was super proud that like how much I could deadlift and how much my big bone muscular <laughs> body was like taking to the sport of, of weightlifting and fitness um, but I still even as I got better and better and better at certain things I still didn't look like Anne-Marie mm-hmm. I didn't have a six-pack I, I, I never had never wanted a six-pack until I got into things like CrossFit um, I wanted to find shoulders like 
I absolutely wanted to be that person that your mom might look at and be like, maybe you've taken it too far because you look shredded AF. And I'd be <laughs> like, yes, that's what I want. So yeah, I feel like we can, that, that's where the stories come together is in the CrossFit world where, yeah, I it totally changed my body image for the better, but then kind of ironically gave me all these other perceptions and, and kind of goals that were related to what my body could do, but also had this sneaky thing of like, well, if you can do 25 unbroken pull-ups, shouldn't you also look like someone who can do 25 unbroken butterfly pull-ups? Like, and what that means is very sport specific, right? Cause I feel like, so I was 33, 34 when I first started to do CrossFit. It's yeah, really only been in the last three years, 30, ages 37 to 40, where I've been able to do it with any consistency, um, just because while I was still sailing, I'd be gone all of the time. And so progress was, you know, you'd start getting somewhere and then it was, it would be stopped for a while. But I remember when I first like kind of got into the sport and like various like, people in the gym, I would look around at and having spent 33 years kind of not really knowing what I should look like having bounced around from horribly thin to overweight for my size, realizing the thigh gap wasn't going to happen. I was like, I don't really know. Like, I, I yeah. know that I didn't want to particularly look like how it looked, but I also didn't know where to take it or yeah. like what to do. Like, what is this body for? Like, what the heck? And I got into like the CrossFit world and was like, well, what do you know? I feel at home. Yeah. And suddenly the body image that I wanted was like this strong and athletic and yeah. lean sure but there was a very enjoyable and mostly healthy when I haven't hurt myself journey <laughs> to getting there it didn't yeah. involve like to, to look suddenly to look like how I felt like I should be like athletic looking was like gonna be the product of consistent hard work yeah and over the last few years like an education and like what food actually feeds my body, nourishes my body, and allows me yeah. to look like that and work towards just being healthier. And through that process of like, oh gosh, I want to look athletic, obviously learned some mad skills, got got fitter. <laughs> um, still have a long way to go. We all do, we all do. In the last, like, it's really only been in the last year, probably as, as, small, as short as a year, where I've started to go like, okay, forget this constant pursuit of like, lean as you can be. Yeah. It's like, I'm more interested, like I wanna go lift some heavy weights. And it's very hard to do that if you constantly are trying to like, be as lean as possible. So my focus is now on like, how can I be as healthy as possible, as fit as I can be, and just really enjoy what my body can do. And as a result of that, I'm going to end up looking a certain way and yeah, it's just a much happier place to be. And you know what, if someone, you know, I'm super proud of the shoulders that I built and yes, one of the guys be. I you used to be. sail with used to say that I had a back like an aircraft carrier <laughs> and like most people are horrified when they hear that. You know what? I'm freaking proud because that back you was made you from 15 be. years of professional sailing yeah. and now hauling, like hauling consistency line on a deck, like, in the that. gym like, and like, you know yeah. what? That back has served me well. Absolutely. So like now I'm proud of it and like for probably the first time in my life I am accepting you know sure i'm not gonna look like a 
25 year old professional CrossFit athlete. Right. I'm just not. I'm 40 years old. I have a normal job and CrossFit is my, like, it's my passion and I, I, I coach it and I I train every day, but it's not my full-time job. No. I'm just super grateful that I'm able to do it and that at 40 years old, I feel like I don't look too bad whatsoever. <laughs> Not at all. I think we both look great. Yeah. And I, 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 one of the things you mentioned just a little bit ago I wanted to pick up on, which is just you also started using words like happy and enjoy more when you mm-hmm. got to this part of the story, which I think is really interesting because that's also like when you get stuck in any kind of I need to look like this or I need to eat like this, sometimes the enjoyment factor goes away. And that's also something that being part of CrossFit communities has been so good for me and and probably is because it feels like being on a volleyball team again or like is that community aspect where your your fitness and nutrition and lifestyle journey is done with a community of people that you actually enjoy being around, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, so it's fun. Um, and I think that's also a huge factor in learning to love the body you're in too is like every CrossFit gym. I mean, I, you know, I, I talked about seeing this one sort of specimen of, of an elite athlete when I got there, but every other day I looked around and still to this day at every other gym I've gone to, I look around and there are people of all ages, Mm -hmm. all body types, and they are all doing amazing things, right? I mean, there are people who look fitter than I do in some ways physically, but can't do what I can do. I mean, I always love it. Like, like I've gone to CrossFit gyms all over the world whenever I've like traveled and stuff. And and I always, always love it when I walk in and like we we all do it. You know, you walk in somewhere new, you scan the room and you're like, <laughs> you're lining up your competition. Oh, right? yeah. Who's, who's going to be good at You're still that girl in the all that? girls high school yeah, being that, like, let's see what's up. There's that part of me that I, and I have to catch myself. But every single time I identify somebody that, like, just based on looks, yeah, mm-hmm. I've probably got you beat. You make assumptions, and yeah. I make assumptions, and we will have an episode on this, oh, of yes. course. Yes. <laughs> but that person, nine times out of ten, if not ten out of ten, has kicked my ass. Yeah. And at the end of it, I have this, just the biggest smile on my face and appreciation of that. And, like, you mentioned about, you know, getting into a sport where, sure, you may not be perfectly designed to do like multiples of like pull-ups or whatever yeah but my god you could squat yeah right yeah whereas i might be better designed to do all of the pull-ups yeah and i'm never gonna squat as heavy she'll pay me to do box jumps for her though yeah (laughs) so it's kind of become super fun and like okay this is what i'm working with let's optimize the good parts and let's use the bits that i'm like i don't want to say on the struggle bus with but maybe not like built ideally for as just an opportunity to put in some hard work yeah and see what I can do and it's 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 become like a kind of a a way to like really get rid of the oh I, I need to look a certain way like I really have I mean obviously we all care about to, it's to it's hard. Extent. It's hard not to care. Yeah, it's hard not we, to we care. probably can't promise that we're going to tell people on these, you know, through these episodes. Like we can really teach you to just never think about your body image and love the skin you're in, no matter what, because it's it's super. You're hard always going to gonna think about it, and yeah. like, and you know, it's important to like take care of yourself and like be aware of yourself and you know feel good about yourself. But finding an outlet where I can care more about like what I can do yeah. that has been 
the best, like, I guess you'd say healing process ever. Like, I would literally right. say that, like, somebody told me when I, I was in the depths of anorexia that once anorexic, you're always anorexic. And I was like, that seems a bit morbid. Wow. Yeah. Physically, I've passed it. Mentally, yeah, it will always be there. Right. But it's like, you got to Like, I have now found a way that I know it's there. I know there's always a possibility. There's like that part of me that's always a possibility. It could come back, but it's just dormant now. Like I, I don't strive to like take out like my desire to control things on on like food or like minimizing right. food. Like I want to, I want to build muscle. I don't care, like if my scale goes up by a couple of pounds and I just lifted something epic. Like great. Yeah. Happier with the epic lift than with yeah what what the macros were that day or something, but but it's true. I mean, I know we you and I have had these conversations over time where there are times where you know there's some challenge at the gym or some time where you're being stricter and you're you're definitely you're always conscious of that. Like you yeah. know that you will always have you know something in the back of your head with like tendencies towards unhealthy relationships with like being too obsessive and I know you know over the years I'm sure this is something we'll also talk about when we talk about some you know nutrition strategies and macro counting where most good coaches will tell you you need to like take breaks from being so strict because you have to it's it's mental more than physical like yeah maybe your body needs to refeed and you, you can't cut all the time but more than that it's also just you need a mental break because I I remember I've definitely gone through ups and downs where I'm doing great nutritionally, but I wake up one day and I'm like, wow, I have a bad relationship with food mm-hmm. because I just think of, I'm not thinking of food. And so in a, in a way that is, I don't know, positive. And then, you know, I want, I still all the time want to be able to go out to a great dinner and enjoy food for reasons beyond what it's doing to my body or for my body and um, yeah, I mean, so sure. We can have a great episode on like, or many episodes on like nutrition strategies and yeah. feeding ourselves and like things like macro counting, which I have done and which I coach people through. But like personally, I don't macro count right now. And for as long as I don't have to, yeah. I don't plan to because I did it. I did it to the letter. And after three months, I pulled the plug because... I was very aware that it was starting to trickle into, oh gosh, is am I now going to obsess over every single single thing that goes in my mouth? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, body image is a complicated thing. There's so many topics out there um, that we're going to talk about and hopefully bring guests on to talk about from like fad diets, before and after pictures, <laughs> nutrition strategies biases like we talked about like when you walk into a place and you immediately do a quick scan of the oh room, yeah like, oh yeah. What, what what can you do based on how you look? I'm, I'm gonna make hannah do some nerdy things too we're, we're gonna do like some dive into some actual like studies where we're, we test our own biases about body image and uh yeah there'll be some fun things like that but also i'm excited to, you know learn if if our our listeners have ideas of things they'd like to hear talked about as well um because i I feel like we, we, we have these conversations all the time and there's there's no end to what we can probably come up with. But um, yeah, I feel like just like what we've said about CrossFit, these kind of conversations, they matter the most when they're in community and, you know, with other people. So 
Yeah. Maybe one day we can have a live audience with Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Down the line. (laughs) But, hey. so And they'll see how awkward and nerdy we can be in person. (laughs) I hope. I mean, there's two lifetimes or 40 years worth of... That we have a combined age of like 81 uh, years. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 42 soon, yeah. Almost we're, 82 we're, years of body yes. image related experiences. <laughs> um, and we just wanted to kickstart this new venture with just a little introduction to ourselves. So uh, I'm sure we glossed over a few things, um, but we have an unlimited number of oh, episodes. Yes. We can More bring conversations to, to be had. And uh, of course, like... Thank you so much for tuning into this. The goal is really just to help answer some questions, to initiate further conversations amongst listeners. And if anything we ever say in any of these episodes helps anybody out or points them in a new direction, then, I mean, what more can you ask for than that? Yep, that would be success. So thank you for tuning in to episode one. Share it around, subscribe to the channel, And if you did like what you hear, please give us a review. We would very much appreciate it. Thanks so much. We'll see you in the next episode.